winning. Patriots? Eagles? All right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Cardinals. Panthers. Um, so this morning, I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. You're like, Matt, we've been there for now three weeks. Yes, we have been. And so grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37. But what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about the concept and the idea of generosity. I'm talking about the concept of generosity. We, we often talk about people who are generous, and a lot of times when we talk about people who are generous, we often talk about how much money they give. For instance, in, if you were just to Google the most generous people in the world today, I've, there, there's a list, and I want to I wanna share with you a couple of them. First of all, we have Bill Gates is seen as the, the, one of the most generous people in the world today. He has given $27 billion, $27 billion away. A, Warren Buffett is another one. He's given $21.5 billion away. He even gave $2.5 billion to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> and so you take a look at what their, now their worth is, is, is unbelievable of how much they have, but Warren Buffett has basically stated and said, hey, I want to challenge you, all of you that are living life like we do, to, to, to give your wealth away. To, to generously give it away. And you think about Mark Zuckerberg, the creator of? There you go, good work. The creator of Facebook. He's given $1.6 billion away in his lifetime thus far. Not, a, not, not bad for an idea in a Harvard dorm room, right? And then there is Phil Knight, the creator of Nike. And he's given 90, $900 million away in his life, in his 80 years. And then you can also talk about, this is not a comment on the game at all, but I will tell you that there is a certain player that plays for the Philadelphia Eagles named Chris Long. And Chris Long has said this year that he will not take a paycheck, 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 paycheck this year because he will give it away. He's giving it away. So 16 paychecks, giving it all away to charity. It's a lot of pregame hype, of course, and it'll probably be said during the game today. But Chris Long plays, of course, for the um, Philadelphia Eagles, and it is said that he, again, he has not taken a paycheck this year, giving it all away. But certainly when you even say all of these folks, and you can sit there and say, wow, look how much money they've given, so therefore, that is incredible generosity because of the amount of money that they've given. But however, when we look through it, when we look at their giving through the lens of the gospel, it doesn't even compare. When we look at it through the lens of the generosity of God himself, it doesn't even compare because God has given us so much. And in order for us to talk about um, today the generosity or how we can be more generous or how we can be generous or how the early church was generous. I think it's very, it's paramount that we stop and take a look just for a brief moment at the generosity of God. Because our generosity and the way that we use our stuff and our resources and the things God blesses with, it, it is greatly affected or should be affected by his generosity. It should be interpreted by our response to King Jesus and all that he's given. And so it's important for us to sort of just pause and take a look before we jump into Acts chapter four and just take a look at the generosity of God. 
So first and foremost, I want you to see this. The generosity of God first is seen in one of the greatest Bible verses of all time. We're going to say that in just a minute, but it's the generosity of God is seen in the giving of Jesus. The giving of Jesus is a gift to us. John 3, 16, a verse that you've all memorized. I am going to say the verse that I'm going to stop, and then you're going to fill in that word that demonstrates his generosity. So when I stop, you in unison say that word. Are you with me? You'll follow along. For God so loved the world that he, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's what King, this is what God did to us. He gave us, he gave to us. He is generous. And because of his generosity, we can then be affected and our generosity should be demonstrated because of his generosity first. And, and then the second thing I want you to see in here is setting the stage is the generosity of God is also not only seen in the giving of Jesus, but it's seen in the giving of the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, you and I know that it is impossible for us to be the church or for us to be the people or for us to make a difference in where we live, in our, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we live, anywhere without the power of the Holy Spirit resting in us and speaking through us. It is impossible. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, so I'm gonna read the verse, you're gonna say the, you're gonna say the word that I don't say. But you will, but you will power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive, because why? God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can make much of him. He is generous in giving the Spirit to us that reveals us our sin, that convicts us of our sin, that give us, gives us words to say, allows us to respond and not react, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And then not only is the generosity of God seen in the, the giving of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit, but it's seen in the giving of great grace. And our text is really gonna, gonna hit this word great grace to you this morning, but, but right now in Ephesians uh, chapter one, verses seven and eight, I love this word that I'm getting ready to say. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I get so overwhelmed at the word lavish. He didn't just give us a little bit. It says he lavished it upon us. It overwhelms us. And so therefore you see, because of his grace, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, what do we see? We, we, we have an opportunity to be overwhelmed by his grace which then that should be the why by which we give, not for the tax deduction or to be looked good in front of other people. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful text says this, for by, say it, grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works, lest any man should boast. And so I am praying that those texts right there and those points will help shape where we're going this morning. And because, because here, here's what we have to do. The early church is doing all kinds of things. They've experienced exponential growth. We're seeing them out to testify before being persecuted, and they're testifying before the Sanhedrin. We're, asked, we're seeing them pray for boldness, and they're sharing we're seeing them all over the place and the church is growing exponentially. And then all of a sudden, chapter four, 
verse 32 comes and it says, the door is open or the curtain is peeled back and says, I wanna give you a look on the inside of the church and I want you to see what they are doing and I am praying that it would spur us on to do likewise and that when the curtain is peeled back on Northwest Community Church that you'll be able to see, hey, this is who we are. This is who we are. Not because we are great, but because he is great. Not because of what we give, not because of what he gave to us. And our giving is a response of his gift. And so we, we look back and we sit there and say, Let, we've said this so many times before. The reason that we give is because, here's, this, here's the, the difference. When Jesus has an encounter with us, everything changes. We've said this statement before that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not works. It's him and all of him. And then when he changes everything, then guess what? It is because he is everything. And our generosity must be, can be, and should be affected because of his generosity to us. So our text this morning is Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37. We're gonna go through and we're gonna read this. We're gonna read this. I'm gonna break it down just a little bit, make some comments, and I've got three points for you here at the end. So here's what we, here's what we find out. We find out that they prayed for boldness and the place was shaken. That's verse 31. And then we jump into verse 32 and this is what it says. It says, now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things, any of the things that belonged to them was his own, but they had everything in common. You take a look at this first text and you're going, wow, they were unbelievably unified. It says, all those who believed were gathered together and they were unified and they were one accord and they were one heart and one soul. That's beautiful. What I pray is that when we pull back the curtain of Northwest Community Church, this verse right now would be said about you and I. That we would be of one heart and one soul and that if anybody needed something, that they had what they needed because of the people standing up and giving and blessing and doing whatever is needed. Verse 33 says this. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Here's the beautiful thing about it. They prayed, sovereign Lord, grant your apostles boldness. And then in verse 33, they got what they prayed for. They were, they were, they were doing what they were asked to do. They were doing what they asked to do. Why? Because of the generosity and the beauty of the gospel. Because of who God is. So they, bold, their boldness was unrivaled. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. And, um, and then verse 36 says this, thus Jesus, who was also called, the apostle, also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Because of the generosity of God in giving us Jesus and giving us the Spirit and giving us great grace, I believe here are the results of their generosity and I pray would be the result of our generosity. Number one, point number one is this. The generosity of God causes us to loosen the grip on our stuff and tightens the grip on others. 
I'll say it again. The generosity of God causes us to loosen the grip on our stuff and tightens the grip on others. This was demonstrated to me this week when Everly and Lennon King, Adam's two beautiful daughters, joined us for lunch. And we were sitting at the table and ordered the meal together. Listen, this is, this, this is what took place. Everly was sitting there drinking her juice box. Lennon was a little bit distracted, so to speak. Lennon is the one on the right, okay? She has right here, but you can't see that with her hat on right now. Lennon's the one on the right. And Lennon was distracted, and she needed to go to the bathroom. Then, while Lennon was in the bathroom, Adam had taken her, her juice, Everly's juice box came to the very bad place of being empty. And do you know what she did? She took her juice box and slid it over and took, play, took Lennon's juice box. <laughs> she did the old switcheroo because see, you and I were raised, you and I were raised mine as our first word, right? Mine, that's mine. And so you're sitting here going, okay, how can the world, can these cute little girls right here, how in the world can these cute little girls do that? It's simple, it's because of Adam. Did you get it? Okay, Adam King, Adam and Eve. There you go, okay. I just want to make sure you got it. So, so here's what happens. We are born into this world. We're born into this world. We're born into where we say, that's mine. That's not yours. It's mine. He's using this. And, and, and when we take a look at the text in verse 32, it says, now a full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. I'll come back to that in a minute. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in con everything in common. One of the greatest enemies of our soul is what we, our stuff and our money. It's one of the greatest enemies of our soul. And, and the scripture speaks so loudly about where that place should be. Money's the root of all evil. Sometimes we place a hold on that stuff that becomes a great idol that we worship the things that we accumulate. We, we worship those things and try to accumulate more. It says, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They all had it in common. Let me read verse 34 again. It says, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it out at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. Here's what the early church would do. They would take a look at all the things that were going on. Here's what happened. Remember the point. When the generosity of God comes into our life, when we get exposed to an encounter with God and we get exposed to who he is, the generous God of creation, then what takes place is everything changes. Everything changes. And here's what takes place. The, their, their grip on their stuff is loosened and their grip on each other is tightened because they came to a specific place in their life that they realized that people are the mission. They realized that. They realized that their stuff is not to simply glorify, glorify them. Their stuff is meant to be used to herald great, the greatness of God. And their generosity was a response to his generosity. As a result of that, what took place? They were of one heart and one soul. There was great unity that took place. They were living out what Paul talked about in Philippians chapter one, one through four. It says this, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, yours in Christ Jesus. This is the response of the great generosity of God. 
because people are the mission. I, I don't know about you, but maybe you're sitting here going, Matt, I, I don't understand generosity. I'm not generous. And I, I can tell you this right now that I've learned generosity more from Phil and Kathy Qualls than any two people on the face of this planet. My mother-in-law was with Jesus. My father-in-law lives with us. But I don't know two people who are more generous on the face of this planet. Several years ago, they uh, filed their taxes and they got, um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, they got a call from the IRS, a letter from the IRS saying you're being audited. And the reason you're being audited is because we do not believe that you can make this much money but give this much money. There's too much of a disparity. And I, Matt Rice, got to marry into that family and I got to understand firsthand from those two people right now what I believe is true, true biblical generosity. It's not mine. It's his. And sometimes when we take a look at generosity, we have a concept that if we grew up in the church that we say, well, I give 10% and that's tithing. Here at Northwest Community Church, we are adamantly and compassionately um, advocate what's called sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Generosity is more than tithing and it's more than just money. This is what uh, the Old Testament was talking about, tithes that, that were given in the Old Testament. And, and, and really, the tithes in the Old Testament added up to nearly 23% of what was the followers. 23%. You had this and this and this and this. And then Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and say, I'm going to overwhelm you with my generosity, and I want your generosity to be seen through the lens of the gospel. And that's what we want to practice. Sacrificial giving. This is a quote by Ken Hughes. It says, Christians ought to give in such a way that there are things we forego in order to be generous. We see this when we peer open the door and we peel open the door of the early church and we pull back the curtains and stuff. We see that this is who they are. And I got to be honest with you right now. I believe this is who you are. We have what's called a share fund that we take every, every time we take, uh, do communion, we take up what's called the share fund. Share fund is based off of Galatians 6.1, where it takes a look at those that have a burden or that are in need, we take care of them. The share fund has over $70,000 in the fund right now. The share fund is used to take care of and love on and help other people um, go with and not without because of Jesus. We have used that fund to send money over to Kenya to take care of our partners in there where there is a famine. We have used that fund to do several things with our, 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 our global partners. We've done a lot right here in this church by helping people out because they're in need. And it's because we have that and it's healthy because of your generosity. Your generosity. And we're going to sit here. Praise God on May 2nd. Come on, May 2nd. And we're going to sit there and say, the land has been closed because of your generosity that is, that is defined by his generosity. And if you're sitting in here right now and you're saying, well, Matt, I, I, I'm, that's not me. You're talking about somebody in the text and you peel back the curtain. That might be some of the people that are around us in Northwest, but that's not me. I'm saying God can change that. We have a class called Financial Peace University starting in April, and we're going to teach that at the Cary Park Clubhouse. We want to help you organize your finances to where they can glorify God, and you can be generous in giving to the work of God. And you can use your time and resources. We have the White Oak Missionary Foundation. 
Zach Howard is an Eagle Scout for his Eagle Scout project. You know what he did yesterday? He went to the White Oak Missionary Foundation. There was a closet there where they stored all their canned goods. He went there for his Eagle Scout project and he designed and built shelves in this closet so that now White Oak doesn't store the food on the floor on these pallets that they had, they're now able to put, hey, there's a shelf for green beans, here's the shelf for corn, here's the shelf for whatever. And it's all lined up in this room and that took place yesterday. Because we wanna partner with them to be generous to our community, to make sure that they can have stuff and make sure that they can know it's because of Jesus and his generosity to us. That's why we do it. Second thing I want you to see, is that the generosity of God gives us great power to share about that great grace. The generosity of God gives us great power to share about that great grace. Look at verse 33. So you're, you look at them and they're sharing things, um, and then all of a sudden verse 33 comes, and here's an answer to their prayer, as I said earlier. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord, and grace was upon them all. And again, They were sticking to the resurrection of the Lord because the resurrection of the Lord is what makes Jesus exclusive than any other person who claimed to be the Messiah. It is an exclusive claim. And they were were proclaiming that, they were preaching that, and they were telling that. And there was great power. That word power is the same word that we get from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is the Greek word dunamis, which is our word dynamite or explosive power. And so here they were. They prayed that they would have boldness. You, you come in and take a look at them, and this generosity that they experienced in God, this encounter that they had experienced through God, was causing them to make much of him and talk about him. 1 Corinthians, 3, 4, 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. And as a, as a result of them sharing, there was great grace upon them. And so I want to share with you a story that happened to me on January the 21st, and it started around 1.30 in the afternoon. I've got some friends that are here, Amy and Chris Redinger, and um, they go to church here. They're serving here. They're here today. They're kids. And um, uh, so back in December, Chris asked me, uh, Matt, um, I want you to pray for my dad. He's sick, and... Uh, uh, he, he's, he doesn't know the Lord. And I really would love for you to pray for my dad. And so I've been praying for his dad. Right before Christmas time, I was at Rex Hospital. I knew his dad was there, but I only knew him as Mr. Redinger. I didn't know what his first name was or where he was. I went up, to the, I went up and I said, I felt the Lord leading me to go see him. I didn't call Chris. I didn't call Amy. I just went up to the desk. And, and the sweet lady at the, the Rex Hospital counter said, I can't give you that room number. <laughs> And I was like, well, so I called Chris and we had had a conversation that maybe his dad wouldn't be open to talking about the Lord at that time. So we've been praying together about his dad. And so on, uh, on January the 21st, I was sitting at my kitchen table working on an elder meeting and, excuse me, January 22nd, it was Monday the 22nd. And you can see this. I'm going to show you the text thread that Chris and I had and it's on the screen. And so at 1.31 p.m., I got a text from Chris, and it said, hey, Matt, my dad is welcome to have you stop by. Are you visiting Rex anytime soon? And what I was trying to do was say, hey, I'm going to take a look at my schedule, and I'm going to come see you. So I said, hey, great, I'll make it happen. We'll let you know. At 2.51 p.m., Chris is like, I'm outside the elevators on the sixth floor to meet you. Well, here's a little bit of a problem. I went to the wrong hospital, one part of the hospital. So I had to go back in my car, drive around, a little little mix-up right there, but you can see that in the text. 
And then all of a sudden, at, two, uh, at 3 o'clock p.m., after getting the call at 1.31, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I walked into the room to see a man I'd never met before. And uh, I was there for a reason to share the gospel with him. And so we talked about his dog and how his dog barked a lot and how my dog barked a lot. And we had a little small talk. Chris was there. Amy was there. His mom was there. Uh, Mr. Redinger's wife was there. And I came in here and I just asked him, I said, Mr. Redinger, I'm here to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. I'm asking you right now not to think about what you have done or didn't do. What I'm asking you to think about is I'm asking you to think about what Jesus did. And here's what he did. 1 Corinthians 15 says he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he defeated death, he defeated Satan, and he kicked him to the curb. And I'm asking you right now, if you will, while you're still breathing, I'm pleading with you, will you accept Jesus right here, right now, as your personal Savior? Will you do that? And about 3.45 p.m., I witnessed the great grace of God overwhelm a man who's in a hospital room, knelt beside his bed, and I listened to him confess his faith in Jesus. It's all great power, and it's all great grace. The hard part is, is the next text. It's on the screen. Chris texted me at 7.45 p.m. said, I just want to let you know that my dad has passed away. That was six hours after the first conversation. Can you come see my dad? So I testify to you today that there is a God in heaven who still cares about you and everything you're going through. I want to testify to you today that he gives us great power and it is an unbelievable thing to witness and watch great grace fall down on someone. And before this service, I got to sit out there in that area and I got to hug Mr. Redinger's wife and we got to celebrate the last part of the text which said, praise God, he's with Jesus. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a mess. It has messed with me for the last two weeks. I share that with you with unbelievable urgency and I share that with you with unbelievable um, appreciation for the generosity of God for allowing me to see what he does. He saved him right in front of me and I will never get over that. Especially the fact that from the first conversation to the last conversation with Chris was about six hours from the time he went to be with the Lord. And I'm grateful to say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I celebrate with you to sit there and say that the generosity of God gives us great power to share about that great grace. Number three, the generosity of God is displayed through a changed life. The generosity of God is displayed through a changed life. Listen to me, guys. You are an instrument, a trophy of his grace. And when he comes in through, gener through great generosity and moves in your life, you, we are to be used for him and for his glory, which allows us to do incredible things. Look at the, the, the text basically um, talks about all the apostles in a general sense. And then it comes down and it, it calls out someone. His name is Joseph, but we know him more along the lines of Barnabas. Verse 36 says, then thus Jesus, who was called, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and threw out the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
And maybe there's somebody in your life where you know just as a walking, breathing Barnabas, they encourage your soul. When I was walking into the hospital, I, 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 I texted one of my Barnabases, that's Ronnie Lau. I texted him, I said, pray for me, I'm gonna go share the gospel with a man who doesn't know Jesus. I texted Will Langdon, pray for me, I'm gonna share with a man who doesn't know Jesus. There are people in our lives that can help encourage us in our walk. Barnabas is singled out for someone who encountered Jesus and was radically different, and it was seen in his generosity with his time and with his resources. If you take a look, we notice through the book of Acts that the number one, he is the lead giver. He is really referenced in several occasions as someone who was just a lot of a giver with most of his time and his money. He was the first person in Acts chapter 9 verse 27, the apostle Paul who was the killer of Christians was on a Damascus road and he became a Christian. All of a sudden, who goes up to him? Was people who were scared to death of him. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was doing this over here and now he's doing this over here. How are we going to go over and talk to him? Because we're scared of him. We're nervous of him. The first person that came up to the Apostle Paul in Acts 9 verse 27 is Barnabas. Came alongside of him. Because the gospel changed him. And then we take a look in in Acts chapter 11. There is this great famine that took place. And and, and, and he is there helping and, and pastoring people through that situation. He's also the pastor that's helping people in racial reconciliation through the Gentiles versus the Jews. Who's the gospel for? There was great, great talk about that. As We'll, we'll figure that out as we get later into the, the study. But here is, here is Barnabas. And then he selected with Paul to go on a missionary journey. Paul went on three missionary journeys. The first missionary journey was to Cyprus, which is where Barnabas is from. Then there was a disagreement between Paul and John Mark. And and, and Barnabas looked at Paul and said, hey, to make sure that he is restored, I'll go with him this way. You go that way. Make sure the gospel goes forth. I'll go over here and I'll spend time with him to make sure that he is who he says he is. He's an encourager. I did a, a, a spiritual gift test several, several years ago at a church that I was, it was a Disciple Now weekend. You got the kids together, you take spiritual gifts test. And uh, it was a really kind of comical situation. And this eighth grader took a test and he said, Pastor Matt, um, I took my gifts and I looked down and it said that I have the spiritual gift of extortion. And <laughs> he said, um, what does that mean? I was like, well, extortion is you steal money, but the word exhortation means you're an encourager. He goes, I do that. I do that. Extortion, exhortation. And so Barnabas is known as someone who encouraged Paul to press on. He is an example for the early church. The writer Luke gives us a picture into the early church and says, how has the generosity of God affected your generosity? And we get a look at Barnabas and how it radically changed him. Plain and simple, when you encounter the Jesus this Bible talks about, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit that this God gave us, and when you rest in that lavished, great grace that he pours all over you, your life will change. And our hands will be loosened on our stuff and tightened to each other. We'll have great power to share about that great grace. And then by God's will and by God's plan, we will be an example to a world that does not know. So in order that they might know. We're going to sing a song. 
And this song is called Worth It All. And I was just sitting down here. I am not a song. I'm not going to sing. I promise you that. My children are very relieved, but I want to read you uh, just a, a word from this. It says, I let go of all I have just to have all of you. Jesus, you are worth it all. When we peer into the door behind the curtain of the early church, we find out the great effects the generosity of God had on their generosity. Let us be that church. And if you're here today, listen to me, if you're here today, the Redingers and I would testify to you that God's timing is beautiful and his timing is perfect. And you do not know King Jesus as your personal savior. I am pleading with you and I am begging with you. I would love to talk to you right down here at the end of the service. Let's make much of him and not let our stuff and our hold on our stuff get in the way of doing just that. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, you're too good to us. You're so good to us. You overwhelm us, you challenge us, and you use us for, for great things, and we're so grateful for that. So as we sit back in here and we consider your generosity, help us to be spurred on, to be stirred up, to be captivated and motivated to really living for you. Um, thank you for the early church and what they demonstrated. And I pray that we at Northwest would make much of you. And I pray, Jesus, that you would hear us right now as we declare to you that you are worth it all. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.